Hey everybody, welcome to another Step Outside podcast. I have someone who is much more intelligent than I am. His name is Tony Kokolis. <laughs> Joining us today on the podcast, the Big K. Hello mate, how are you bud? I'm exceptional mate, thanks for having me. Mate, I've got to say to you there, Tone, uh, you're from Oricom, which is Oricom International. Um, basically you guys are communication uh, specialists for off-road and on-road. Uh, mate, a, a great time of the year to be involved in that because so many people are travelling around the country. Mate, it, it is. It is a very exciting time. Uh, restrictions are easing a little bit and people are getting out. And It's never been a better time to get around our country, mate. It's, um, you know, we're all homegrown. We want to see our country and get out there and experience it. And, mate, communication is key when you're out on the road. So, yes, we are the specialists in that. Tony, you also love fishing because, you know, for me, I, I like talking to I you about, about fishing, mate, because, you know, it is one <laughs> of those things that we all love to do on our favourite pastimes. So, you know, we're going to break this little podcast up there to keep people um, interested in something they might like to hear and that is of course fishing is our our main or my main background but for you you're that person that just he he doesn't have a job in fishing because i talk to a lot of guys and girls out there who have a job in the marine fishing industry you have a job in off-road on-road communication being oricom but you love fishing as a passion so i do want to talk to you about that to start with your favorite fishing background what is it that you love to do the bread and butter fish, offshore, game fishing, estuary. Talk to me. There's, there's not a great deal that I don't like for, but honestly, my um, go-to is estuary fishing. So brim, flathead, mangrove jack. Um, I love a bit of offshore fishing. I love a bit of bass fishing off a kayak. I have a boat. I have a kayak. I have friends with big boats, and I love all of it. But as I said, the main bread and butter for me is uh, estuary fishing. I absolutely love it. Mate, our bread and butter fish that we get around the country, of course, brim whiting, flathead. Uh, you know, the brim are just yeah. about in any estuarine that has a tidal influence, and even some ponds yeah. that have been cut off by uh, man-made uh, locked canal systems. Uh, but, mate, what's your tip for people out there? Because I love to hear this from you, from a, from a guy who just loves to go and wet a line whenever he wants to on his days off and you want to catch a fish because, you know, yes. it, 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 time is poor, right? Time is poor. So what is it you do when you go and chase brim? What are you looking for? Are you using baits? Are you using lures? What's the go, mate? I use a bit of both. So I'll generally find and sound around, find some nice holes around some structure. I'll find some drop-offs on the banks. Uh, if I'm used, if I'm lucky enough to catch some, uh, some live bait, I'll throw a live bait out or some nice fresh flesh bait. Yeah. As well as I'll use a range of lures, so from soft plastics to vibe to you know crab lures, to see what else is around the, the, the area because they don't just always congregate in one spot. Um, some of the bigger fish will monitor around those holes and in the structures and get up nice and tight. So I like to spread it out and get a bit of a different range. Mate, it's one of those things as well that if you're fishing in a uh, in an area where there's a canal system, for example, is you might shy away from say the humble old yabby. Uh, or prawn, yeah. and you might end up going to a chunk of cheese or a bit of steak. Have you used that before? Sure. Because, you know, people out there on the canal houses, they they finish their dinner, and realistically, mm-hmm. you know, out goes a little bit of leftover chicken or steak and straight into the fish's mouth, and the brim know that. You know, that's why they'll hang Absolutely. around in school in those particular regions. Definitely. Chicken, and I've actually caught fish off pepperoni off pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend who used to live on the canals in uh, around Coomera, yeah. and... 
some nights would be up till late and sitting, actually sitting in the in his pool, fishing from the pool because the pool was on the edge of the canal and using bits of pepperoni from the pizza and catching bread. So yeah, in the, they're very opportunistic feeders, and I think the scent of different flavors and so forth tends to increase your abilities as well. My wife had a Saratoga many Ooh. many years ago, and whenever you bought in the pizza box, is a Saratoga would splash around and go absolutely nuts. It would oh, go yeah. crazy because it. It knew it was going to get a slice of pepperoni, right? <laughs> the Saratoga would go nuts. And, and when you gave it the, the pepperoni, a slice of pepperoni off the pizza, he just chilled out and just swam around with a... Because, you know, a Saratoga is born with a smile on its face because it's the way its That's jawline right, yeah. is, you know. It's a, it's a happy fish. fish. It's a very happy yeah. fish, you know. And uh, so you give it a little bit of pepperoni and, and away he goes. Mate, when you're using lures for your brim, what sort of lures do you like to run? A lot of times soft plastic and vibes. Uh, the soft plastic with a nice big tail, match on match the hat in the area, uh, the right colours different times of the day is a big thing. And also the vibe, particularly in your uh, in your drop-off around the uh, jumping pin area. Uh, there's a lot of big sandbanks with drop-offs and the vibes. You can hop them off from a metre of water down to four metres of water and really extend your range and get the fish excited and the bycatch is also very exciting from time to time as well. I tend to get a lot of um, uh, pike as well. Uh, you tell pike from the vibe. It's a lot of fun. They're not much good for besides, you know, strip bait or smoking, but um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So you, just, you can really change it up and get a, a variety of different types uh, of fish and to get understand what the fish, you know, the brim are biting on as well. If they're, they're not interested in the, in the, in the fresh or light, uh, live bait, then, you know, nine times out of ten, they're ready to take a vibe or a soft plastic. So squidgies, you know, Z-Man, things like that are my go-to. And one other thing that I like about the vibes there too, Tone, is the EcoGear ZX35. So they, they are a killer on all kinds of fish and, of course, your TN60s if you're going for your, your larger fish species of your brim, you know, in that sort of high 30s, early 40s. They tend to just crush those things. Yeah, they're, they're a great, great lure. You can also troll those too. Um, you can jump down to your local Anaconda store and grab all of those lures that we uh, we mentioned on our podcast. Mate, when it comes to flathead, talk to me about flatties because flathead is a, it's a fish that you love to catch, you love to eat, but they can be quite particular at times. They love a different tidal flow. What do you use for your flatties? Mate, I, I 99% exclusively use soft plastics for flathead. You can... Like you said, they're very, very elusive. They're very spooky. Uh, you can change up your style of fishing from deep water to shallow, slow hops to fast retrieves to just every different style. So for me, soft plastics is the way to go. So again, Z-Man, Golds and so forth. You can change your head size. So that's what I love so much about flathead fishing. It could be one particular lure and you know head size for one day and then the next day or even hours later on different tidal flow, they can be completely different and change colour and size and technique as well. Mate, it is. And uh, you know I do like using the live baits for your flathead particularly if you if you know there's a ball of herring that's schooling up under a bridge mm. or around a, a canal entrance or anything like that you know that even the shags when they're moving through and you see all the bait fish being popped up is you know the flathead are going to be following them quite closely what are the other things that i like to do if you've never done it because you do like getting out there into the estuaries with the flatties have you ever targeted them behind a stingray have you ever seen when the stingray gets into the shallows and smokes up a lot of the sand because they're sucking up the yabbies to actually have a crack yep. at them under the flathead behind the stingray? A lot of people don't do it, but it's quite, uh, it, it, it works really well. I have seen them from time to time, mate, and that's what I love so much about the flathead fishing for me and the soft plastic piece of hump. You know, you're, mm. you're really looking through the water and finding them and stalking them, but uh, it's never happened yet, but I'm sure it will. <laughs> yeah. <Actually. laughs> yeah, mate, it always does. Mate, another one that I know that uh, is, a, is a good pastime by many anglers on sort of subtropical, tropical areas of Australia is Mangrove Jack. So uh, much fun. 
How's that go for you? Yeah, mate, it's uh, it's a real game changer. That one. It's um, you know, it's hot, steamy night, afternoons, and you know, early mornings. I love using topwater lures like poppers and stick bait. Um, right up tight in, in hard structure. Mm. I've seen mangrove jacks, the water chasing. Uh, leaves that have fallen off. Yeah, and that's right. They'll they'll hang anywhere where there's some sort of movement in the trees that's coming down. And uh, yeah. so the bass bug night walkers. That's something you'd use, I'd imagine, if you're talking about trees and limbs and all that sort of stuff hanging over the edges of a, of a water thoroughfare. Yeah. So a lot of areas uh, overhanging trees and so forth. You'll find what hard structure. I'll, I'll walk those little uh, night walkers in the flow. And sometimes when it just lands in the water, you let it sit for four or five seconds, and all of a sudden, kaboom! They've just seen the ripples. Yeah. And the slightest switch, and they're all over it, and it's just exhilarating. Yeah, oh mate, and it is. They're such an amazingly powerful fish, but at the same oh. time, a, a sensation to look at, take a photograph at, and for me, even better on the table. They are a beautiful eating fish. The mangrove jacks, a lot of prawns around uh, the east coast uh, at the moment as well, mate. Is that something you'd like to there get is. into? The banana prawns. I do, mate, and uh, there's nothing better than a good free to feed of prawns and a beer in the afternoon on a Sunday after a hard day. But uh, yeah, look. I um, exclusively always generally use pro throat net, and I love them. They're, they're easy to cast. I'm still learning. I'm getting better at it. <laughs> From time to time, we uh, get a, a, a map of Tassie, as we call it, or you know, when you throw a good one, we call it Australia because it opens up well, nicely. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a great pastime. It's good camaraderie sometimes when you're out in the water and you see you know 50 boats out there and everyone's catching a feed and having a good time. It's uh, it's, it's it's a good feeling to know that you can go and catch a great feed of uh, a local seafood and enjoy it and not um, proliferate our, our... Yeah, exactly. And I know on our uh, episode three, because we've started back on air uh, yesterday, 21st, Perfect. yes. So we got it back on air for uh, seven mates uh, for 39 uh, episodes, everybody. Uh, check it out. It's been right seen right. three times uh, every weekend. It's going to be aired three times every weekend. So uh, looking forward to uh, you know the next 38 episodes. One's down. We've got a lot more to film, everyone. But we are, <laughs> on number three, targeting uh, banana prawns. And, uh, yeah. and, mate, that is a lot of fun. But I was doing it off the jet ski, off the sea-do, and that is even more awkward. So can you imagine casting a pro-throw full-length chain-bottom net, top pocket, off a ski, and, uh, you know, we're working on getting the map of Australia, really opening up. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we, 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 can, uh, we can do it. you just got to get your balance right and, uh, you know, Put your calves against the seat really, really tight, yeah. and uh, and hold on, and and away you go. A lot of people sort of discriminate a little bit. You know, you're on a jet ski, you're a knob, and all that sort of stuff. But reality is, nah. you know what? You're out in the water, you're giving it a crack, and and for me, that's uh, that's all part of the part of the parcel being in the marine. Absolutely, mate. It's getting out there and enjoying it, regardless of the transportation. And I do know you went to the Tingalpa Anaconda Trade Night uh, last week as well, yeah. on Wednesday night. How was that? You had Gordon there, Gordon Triplett from Garmin, and Drew Argos yeah. from Pro Throw. Mate, the boys did well. They know what they're talking about, obviously. They're very good at what they do. They're exceptional at what they do, mate. They gave great hints and tips. Yep. Bought myself a new Pro Throw as well, so uh, good. now's the time to really get out there. But yeah, exceptional knowledge, um, and the way they deliver their information is, is, is perfect. The kids really got in on it. Everyone was you know, had a great night. And Gordon did a cook-up, I believe. So he did his uh, prawns. So that's uh, that's a good thing. I know the boys are out there trying to get them on uh, on last Wednesday morning. They gave me the opportunity, the offer to come out with them, but um, I think it was going to be raining that morning. So we thought, no, I'll leave it alone. But anyway, that's all good. Hey, mate, um, lovely to chat to you when it comes to fishing because, you know, again, you're just the, that bloke who has the time off from work, wanting to wet a line, and enjoys it and catches a few fish. So thanks for your time and tips on that. Now let's get into Oricom. Oricom is a it's an international company that basically delivers off-road, on-road communication 
services to vehicles or anything yep. along those lines, whether it's UHF, VHF, battery monitors, the list goes on. Talk to me about Oricon, mate. What, what's, the, what, what's the difference? What's the benefit? Why should people go to Oricon? What is the go? Well, first and foremost, we're 100% Australian owned. Nice. So we've been around since 2003. Um, we're not just UHF, as you said, so we also do baby care products, VHF Marine. Is that right, uh, baby well care, UHF. like uh, baby care monitors? Yep, baby care monitors, breathing sense monitors, uh, air purifiers, thermometers. Uh, the range is expanding uh, you know, rapidly in that respect. But UHF is obviously our biggest, is our biggest part, mate. And like I said, we're Australian-owned, been around since 2003. We've sold over a million units in that time. Wow. We build products designed and specified for the Australians. You know, we, we listen to our to our consumers and we pride ourselves on quality engineering with yep. um, functional and attractive design, you know. Unreal. That's how we work. I remember with our child, when, when our two boys we were very young, we yep. had the baby monitors, you know, in the bedroom, probably Oricom, I don't know, um, back then. And, you know, you'd, you'd hear them breathe, you could hear them or see them stirring. You always yep. kept a close eye on them at the same time. And a lot of parents out there would know, you know, the first couple of years of your life are basically sleepless. Um, and, <laughs> and then they just become restless and then they just become uh, enjoyable, as one would say. But yeah, and, and then they don't want to communicate with you. Then they don't want to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, they're good. My boys are great. Mate, so tell me, um, obviously, off-road stuff. Now, a lot of people who are yep. towing caravans, because there's no international travel at present, okay? Correct. Um, so a lot of people are, you know, they're, they're grabbing their overseas fund money pool and they're putting it into caravans, tents, campers, and all that sort of stuff, and they're going around the country or going into state. Mate, right. obviously, having a UHF, if you're going, say, from, uh, call it Brisbane to Perth or Brisbane to Alice Springs, um, yep. You know, communication is key, particularly in areas where there's no 4 or 5G and you've got no mobile phone reception. It is, exactly, mate. And even even in areas where you do have you know, phone reception, yep. UHF communication, is, in my part, in my experience, is key. You can communicate with trucks in, in front of you or they're coming up behind you. You can get road condition update. You can communicate with other users that are on the roads as well. A lot of caravans will put their little logo on the back, like Mum and Pa, Channel 18, you can have a chat with them. Hey, look, where's a great time to overtake you and so forth? So in that respect, it's always a, a smart idea, particularly when you're driving on the blacktop, mate, to, to have a UHF for communication to even to emergency services. And that's the, that's the key to it as well is um, communication to emergency services. And, and you do see at the back of caravans, you'll have, um, you know, um, uh, Bill and Ben, um, sorry about for that name, yeah. <laughs> Bill and Ben, UHF 60, <laughs> you know, and you, you'll jump on, it'll have the CH there for the channel. So you jump on right. there and you say, hey, Bill or Ben, we want to overtake you, um, you know, or how are you going, where you've been? So you can have a friendly chat because it is all about that camaraderie of being Aussie, and, and having a chat to old Joe Blow around the corner or in front of you on this case when you're doing a 1,000K trek. Exactly. And as I said, communication with truck, road work, you know, wide loads, emergency service. It could be that, you know, it's been raining for three days and you're heading, you know, inland through Mount Isa and you're not sure what the road conditions are. You see a big truck coming towards you. Hey, big rig, any idea I can get the road conditions? And these guys are great. You know, they'll tell you, hey, don't go this way, take this road, follow me, it's flooded out there. If you see a bushfire, you can tune in to emergency service and they'll give you regular updates as you said as well as a great chat on the road with you may be traveling in convoy or just meeting up with the local guy that's in front of you it is one of those things there that if you can talk to the truckies but also be yeah. respectful of the truckies because one thing i do know is that if you pull over in a truck stop and there's a smaller truck stop they're not all big ones like you get on the m1 or the main bruce highway the main highway around australia is generally if you're off 
out into the bush and there's a, a truck stop, it, it's only a small one maybe for one or two trucks. But if you get two or three mm. caravans pulling in, then old yeah. mate truck, he can't, he can't get in. And, you know, we, we've got to keep Australia rolling here. So that's the other Absolutely. thing as well as, you know, communicate with them, but also respect that we need to allow them guys to pull into those areas that are actually built for them as well. Exactly. And, and look, and to be honest, mate, those guys are bound by law to have you know, rest stops at certain times. So you're right, it's communication. They're human beings just like you and me. They've got families, they love traveling. Mm. It's what they do for a job. Communication, giving them respect, mate. And I've got a lot of respect for those guys. They've given me invaluable information over the years. Yeah, that's it. So any truckie who's driving around Australia at the moment, uh, blow your horn, give us a big toot. Yep. Step outside podcast. Mate, um, talk to me about the UHFCB, the old so CB. The old CB radio has uh, has progressed, you know, so much in advancement of technology, mate. It's uh it's a bit different to what it used to be. They're all, um, you know, speaker mic controlled. So our premium model, which we uh, are just about to release April 1st, is the new DTX 4200X. It's uh, a dual receive model. So it actually receives two channels at once. You can actively listen to two channels. You can have it on channel 40, which is the trucky channel, uh, or and channel 18, and you can listen to both at the same time. It'll actually receive two channels, and individually, you, know, you can hear them talk. So... That's our premium model. It's dual speaker, has a speaker in the handpiece, and all the controls are on the handpiece. Beautiful big LCD display, and also an extra speaker in the module as well. So it's nice and loud, easy to use. It's all hide away, so it looks nice and pretty. Yeah. And it's our premium model. And, of course, when everything's uh, on the handset itself, it, it makes life a lot easier rather than sort of bending down and trying to get underneath the dash or the glove box and trying to do that sort of a way as well, isn't it, really? Absolutely. We have a... Ours is unique. We have a little jog wheel. So you on the on the handpiece itself, you can press the jog wheel and you can actually scroll through to change the channel, your volume and other features as well. So it's unique in the way it's ergonomics is designed, yep. that you're not specifically looking for a button or a channel button. It's nice big user interface and it's very easy. That's what I love most about our product, mate, is that is the jog wheel. It's very, very user friendly. Mate, um when it when it comes to moving your your vehicle around caravan parks, now I know this one for a fact is that mm. um you know because a lot of people are buying caravans and if you've got if you've got a new caravan on order, you've been waiting eighteen months for this caravan because it really has blown out <laughs> on timeframes. Or if you're towing a boat, whatever it might be, and you're at a camping ground, okay, you've got your park, you've got your, your site J12, okay, you're down at Woody Head just north of Yamba, you got J12, and you go to reverse up, you've got on J11 a four hundred thousand dollar motor home and on mm. j13 you've got a tent now you need to reverse your caravan onto j12 onto that block nice and flat the handheld units come yes. in handy don't they because you can have your partner whoever it may be that you're with at the back guiding you left yep. and right because yeah you can see left and right but you can't see how far back you're going whether you're straight Correct. you know to get right in onto that angle and actually reverse incorrectly yeah it's a valuable piece of um, equipment, mate. Like we have from our huge premium range of products from 5-watt handheld all the way down to little half-watters. Uh, a lot of our uh, handheld units come in twin pack uh, from with rechargeable batteries all the way down to a little PMR795 twin pack, which uh, have a little handy LED light built in them as well. It's great for kids running around. But yes, essential for that backing up so you can have direct communication to, to let your partner know which way and how far and stop, forward, back and right. It's, uh, it's, I've used them in the past, mate, and it's essential. Mate, when you're talking five waters down to the half water, so five water is going to give you a lot more benefit of range. Is that right? Correct, yeah. It's going to give you a lot more uh, range, extended range. So 20, you know, 15, 20 kilometre range down to a half water, which will give you, you know, three to five kilometre range. So depending on your application, uh, we have from half waters to one to two 
the five waters. And the, the so that would be something like the uh, the UHF. It's the fifty five hundred. Okay, so that yep. one there, the five water, is that a larger aerial that you need to to get that distance? Uh, how does it work in the sense of of line of sight? I mean, how are you communicating from one person, say from A to B? over a very vast distance. How's that working? So with handhelds, yeah, generally it's, uh, it's generally on the site. The nice thing about our particular model, the UHF 5500, as you mentioned, it does have an upgraded antenna. So you can actually unscrew the antenna that comes on the unit yep. and you can fit with a magnetic-based external antenna to give you even more range. But generally it's line of sight in you know bushy areas when you're doing a, a winch or uh, you're doing creek crossing or you're in convoy with your friends, you'll generally get good reception. You might get a little bit staticky when you're on the other side of the hill, but nine times out of ten, uh, that five watt just increases that reception bubble to really give you that range. And that's what it comes down to. Mate, um Vehicle aerials antennas. Now, mm-hmm. do you prefer to have one that's mounted on through the, under the bonnet that just comes out the little clip up top, or do you prefer to have it hard mounted onto a major bull bar? Well, I've got a Prado, so I have a bull bar, and I have uh, twin antennas on my unit. So I run the UHF 182X, which is our twin antenna model. So, and a lot of people ask me why do we have different sizes and different heights and different thicknesses of antennas. So a quick rundown is low dB or low gain antennas for anywhere from one to three and a half dB-ish are great for hilly country terrain and around town where you've got a lot of built up uh, terrain around you and the reception can be interfered with that. So low gain antennas give you a really strong reception bubble, but not to not in the greatest uh, distance range. Right. Then you go up to six and a half to nine dB antennas, which are great for the open top. So when you're doing big highway drives, big open expanses, great line of sight will give you that long range uh, distance, you know, 50, 60 kilometer range. Right. So that's the difference with antennas. So with mine, I run twins, so I have the best of both worlds every time. And because there's a lot of people out there who don't have a bull bar, they're going in their, their Fairlane or yeah. Fairmont or a, a Kluger or whatever it might be, and they don't have the big bull bar on the front there. So that it's not really a necessity to have the bull bar mount. Is that right? Of course, yeah, of course we have. We've got uh, brackets that are bonnet or uh, boot mounted as well. So you can have it on the booty vehicle, under the bonnet of the new vehicle. So you're right, there's not a necessity for to have a great big bull bar or nudge bar on the front of your car. And we even have, as I said, we have magnetic-based antennas as well, which are magnetic-based, stick on the top of the roof, run the cable through the car, and you can have a plug-and-play, which mounts as with a suction-cut bracket to the inside of the vehicle on the glass. Stick a cigarette lighter powered, plug-and-play, take it out in a higher car, transfer That's it to your vehicle thing. as well. That's a good thing for higher cars. A lot of people travel up and down the coast. I know with us, we travel up and down the coast, uh, you know, and if you're moving into, uh, say, you know, Mackay, Cairns, Townsville, Darwin, whatever, you're picking up a higher car to go and film for the show so yep. we can still just plug and play by putting it into a cigarette lighter. Absolutely. We have the UHF 310 plug and play 5-watt TV radio pack. Hmm. So as I said, it comes with a cigarette lighter power source, suction cup mount like your GPS or your uh, dash cams, and a magnetic-based antenna. So perfect for that application and perfect for mums and dads that are doing a big trip down to Sydney or Melbourne or up to the north that don't want to install the thing into the vehicle, don't have a bull bar or an nudge bar. So we've got that option as well. Tell me about the battery sensor because that's the next thing, obviously. You're out there, you're playing a radio, you've got whatever else going on. You might have an inverter in the back of your car. You need to monitor your battery power. A lot of people Absolutely. these days are also moving into lithium. Okay, and for me, lithium is great, particularly on on boats, uh, if you get it done correctly, not the cheap Chinese models, don't do that. Uh, But (laughs) at the same time is that um, lithium batteries like when using a cordless handheld drill, 
is its power and it stops. It just stops. That's it. So you need to to monitor the power of your of your uh, energy source, being the battery. What do you guys offer? Yeah, so we have a uh, the BSM Triple Eight, which is our Bluetooth battery monitor. It's a very simple device, positive negative onto the battery. You download a free app, and you can do up to four batteries on one app. I have two batteries in my vehicle and two batteries in my boat as well. So I have BSM Triple Eight on all of my batteries. So when I'm out fishing with my encoder battery, I can monitor how much time I've got left in the vehicle. It monitors my alternator as well, so it gives me a charging status which can update me if I've been through some creek crossings. It could be a fault with my alternator. Also got the second battery, which runs off my DC to DC. Then I monitor that as well because it's running on my running my fridge all the time. So it's a nice, quick, easy check. It can give you notifications if there's an alert, which you can set for low voltage or any problems. And, of course, um, you've, you, you run into tyre pressure monitoring systems as well. I mean, we've got everything covered, so you don't have to get outside your car while you're no, driving along. You've got communication between people. You're also checking your battery and uh, you, you're doing your tyre pressure as well because if you're off-road, obviously, you don't want to run down on one one tyre's got you know 18 PSI and the other one's running at 38 or whatever you Correct. might be. So you need to make sure that's beneficial as well. So that, how does that thing work? It's very, very simple. So there's four monitor, uh, wireless monitors that clip onto your uh, onto the stem of your vehicle, so where the valve cap is, or you can do internal as well. So if you are okay. even running a road vehicle, just a normal standard mum and dad, Driving back to school, you want to keep an eye on your tire temperatures. We do internal sensors as well. The module will sit on the dash. It's got a, it has a lithium battery, but it's also solar powered. So when it sits on the dash, it's always out in the sunlight. Mine lasts after 30 days without any sunlight or recharging. It tells you top current tire pressure as yep. well as top current tire temperature as well, which is very, very handy when you're running on the beach or when you've dropped your tire pressure to keep an eye on the temperature of it as well. See, that's pretty cool because... Basically, your, your tires uh, are not cheap. You want a tire for no. a full drive. You're looking at two fifty, three hundred bucks per tire, depending on what, what what breed or brand you want. Um, but if they're underinflated, they're going to wear out the forty five percent faster. Okay, so you're going to be doing your dough Absolutely. twice twice as quick as what you should be. Um, oh, and, and at the same time, it can improve fuel efficiency. I see a lot of people driving around the streets, and they <laughs> one one tire is just way under, and you're thinking, how the hell that thing is just going to roll off when you go around a corner? But it doesn't. But uh, at the same time, you really are, you know, costing yourself a few much extra bop there because you're not doing the uh, the tire monitoring properly. Exactly, and it does reduce the risk, as you said. If you've got a low tire, you do have that risk of it rolling off the rim or not taking the corner properly so there's there's a great applications for that and you know it's it's for me it's a, it's a central part of my touring and full driving and my work time as well yeah, that's it mate so between your work time at oricom and fishing mate uh, mm. I, I know you love to get outside and, and spend a lot of time around the country and that's what you do best tony i gotta say thank you very much for your time today mate it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, you okay because you know like i said you're the worker who goes to work not in the marine industry so to speak uh, but you love the fish on your time off and you want to make the most of it. And that's why I asked you earlier about what sort of fishing does Tony Kokolis like to do? What do you like to do as the general bloke that just loves to do what 95% of Australians love to do? And that is where to line and how you do it. Absolutely. So, mate, thanks for your tips on that sort of stuff as well, eh? Anytime, mate. Appreciate it. Too easy. There you go, everybody. That's Tony Kokolis, the big T. I'll call him the big K because that guy, he has got the heart of an elephant. He's an absolute legend. And uh, anything when it comes to off-road or even just anything, this guy is very knowledgeable, Tony Kokolis. And, of course, that was another Step Outside podcast, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. I love sitting down and just chewing the fat with people. You guys sitting back, listening. If you're still 
listening, that means that we were quite informative. If you tuned out, then you're not listening to this part. And like I say, get out there, wet a line, and may your rods bend off it.